Hey everybody, welcome to another China Startup Pulse podcast. Yeah. I am your co-host Todd Embley with my good friend and co-host Ryan Shukin. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I, I really enjoyed today's cast. It was a guy that we've been trying to get for a while. Mm-hmm. Not super enthusiastic about getting on a microphone. You know, oh, but he's amazing. Yeah, he did totally so well. Humble dude. And Kevin Chen from Italki, Italki, yes, and Techie Zoo, yeah, and and I mean it was it was really cool because you know this is a guy who went did did a degree and then he did his masters and then he worked for what is it uh, Merrill, Lynch Merrill Lynch and, and Lehman Brothers yeah. and all that and then committed career suicide as he says and then came out to China and the whole thing and then got into wanting to do his own startup and then spent you know a year and a half eighteen months to two years on uh, an idea that had no market. That customers they built a, a product for customers who hated it, yeah, didn't and want they, it at they, all. But they never asked, and it's the lessons that he yeah. learned from understanding what it's like to fail, from not asking and yeah. checking your assumptions in a market. Yeah, which he uses through TechiZoo, and they run the, the you know they used to run the Lean Startup Machine event for for Lean Startup yeah. Machine over here in China, and then they you know pivoted into the Fail Faster. And then Italki, which he's been doing since 2007. So we're nine years in and uh, had a big celebratory uh, news to announce, yeah. uh, which was great because he is the consummate cockroach of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Here and, in, in, the, in the best way, by the way, it's yeah. persistence. He, he always you know, survives everything that comes and that's thrown at him. Yeah. And he shares all these lessons. I mean, the, the information that he, he gives us on yeah. this cast is all from experience. It's yeah. all, it's not just, Hey, this is what you should be doing because I think it's a good idea. No, it's, this is how it happened to yeah. me. This is he talked what about the, happens. You know, the importance of his Chinese co-founder, the importance yeah. of, um, uh, how you raise money, you know, yeah. in China, all the fundraising uh, tips. Yeah. Which he does, uh, how to, uh, ignore the noise, you know, which was yeah. one of your questions, uh, or how to filter the noise and and uh, you know how to uh, keep people happy that are, that are working for you and and, and marketing tactics and and uh, how do you explain to people uh, when you're in China doing a startup if you're not focused on the Chinese market uh, you know how to take you seriously here uh, yeah. it's it's a really really great podcast from a guy who has been banging his head on the wall for nine years and has finally started to win uh, in a big big way and it's about damn time because yeah. this is a guy who's a, who's a founding father. Of, of really the entrepreneurship uh, startup community here in Shanghai. Yeah. And he always gives back. He always gives back and everything that he's done, he's volunteered all over the place and put so many amazing events together. So cannot be happier. I think the guy's amazing. Yeah. And, Bootstrappers, uh, listen to this. That's right. People with assumptions and ideas, people building products, yeah. listen to this episode. So here we go. This is Kevin Chen from italki. Hey, everybody. We're sitting here with Kevin Chen, as you know. And as usual, Ryan, why don't you take it hey. away, give a little bit of a bio right away, and then we'll get into yeah. it. Yeah. So Kevin Chen, he went to uh, Georgetown School of Foreign Services and then London School of Econ. Uh, and then he worked in finance, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, not associated or related to those no. kind of... He sat uh, beside the guys yeah. doing all the but damage, he didn't do but he it. didn't, he do, didn't it do any of that. Yeah. He he, left. The button was there, yeah, but the he button didn't push was, it. <laughs> he left to go travel the world, and he found himself in China in 2003, 2004, and he started, he said, okay, let's do this in China. Started taking Chinese classes, started up doing consulting for manufacturing, and then actually started up his own company in 2005 doing Fomento, which was like a family moments, Facebook for families in China. Mm-hmm. After a lot of work, that one didn't quite turn out, but it did transition him into italki, which we're here to talk about as well, which is... They connect students and teachers from around the world to learn languages. There may or may not be 
some some very uh, good news for Italk guy, uh, Italki, whichever, um, from 2007, and it actually is whichever. Um, but you guys had a yeah. little. So um, I'm just trying to like dancing around. Yeah. It. Yeah. Say, it may or may yeah. not be yeah. something. There's something here, maybe it's oh, kind of well, important. It's great. Uh, yeah, recently we uh, completed a financing round um, for a, a major Chinese online uh, education company called Hujiang. Mm. So, awesome, uh, man! Received three million bucks, and uh, yeah, we're pretty excited to uh, take Italki to the next level. So definitely, well, That's huge. And it's, it's been a road. Right? Been I a mean, you guys have been in the space. For quite a while, two thousand seven was our official launch. Man, yeah. I like that. Yeah. when I arrived to China, <laughs> and you were doing that, and then I think about all oh, this. So much has changed. Got it. Like married, couple of kids. You know, things. The just, world has changed. Absolutely, startup world yeah. has changed. The technologies have shifted. It's yeah. it's it's been a crazy crazy run. And so, I, it has. Yeah. Um, and sorry to blindside you with this, and I know we tried to talk a little bit about what we did, but, you know, I really love when, you know, and, and uh, so you're a big part of Techie Zoo as well, right? You're one of the, the founding fathers of, of Techie Zoo. And describe it real quick, so for our listeners. It's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a non-profit, volunteer-based uh, organization that, that runs events for the startup mm-hmm. community around Shanghai. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just you just said it all. We're all committed to um, just making it a better startup environment. Um, yeah, you know we do technology, we have entrepreneurship events, design events. Um, if you've been to Shanghai and you've seen a, a, a bar camp Shanghai or mm, designing yeah. Shanghai or hackathon Zoo or, yeah. or lean startup, uh, you know which we now yeah. call Fail Faster. All of these things we've just put on. It's a bunch of entrepreneurs who are based out in Shanghai, and we do it just for to make it a better place. Mm-hmm. No money involved, yeah. nothing to who it. Who came up with the name for Fail Faster? So we. we the first time we did lean, the Lean Startup Machine, we actually helped them organize it in Shanghai. And afterwards, we wanted to make it our own. Also, we didn't have the rights to it. So we thought, yeah. of, what could we use? And yeah, I can't remember who came up with it. It might have I been Gabriel, it. actually. Oh, it was you. It was me. Oh. What? <laughs> That's All right. why I asked. Okay, I for the, the record, though, it is you, Todd. That's well, great. I was in the... I don't know. I don't, maybe you were not at that. I remember Mark. I was sitting right beside Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark Evans. Yeah. Uh, another founding father. And it was at the Yanping Attic of People's Square. Right. We were in the, in, the, in the little room, whatever. And we were kind of going through you know, oh, you're right. You're right. And I mean, we we're like, fail fast, fail quickly. And we had these all these yeah, like, yeah, yeah, horrible, yeah, yeah. horrible. Like, <laughs> and I was the one who actually just like, said, I really well, fail like faster. And I really then it like kind of got to and then it went. And, yeah. Okay. I'm just kidding, though. I mean, whatever. It's funny because, though, I listened to, I was recently listening to the Tim Ferriss uh, podcast with Mark Andreessen, which is yeah. phenomenal. What a freaking podcast that one was. Uh, and he was talking about the whole, hmm. he hates this fail fast thing. Oh. He, like they literally had a five minute segment on how stupid that is now, hmm. Um, hmm. but it was interesting. Um, not that you know he just said I you know I, I would rather be you know success faster more than fail faster and, hmm. and these kinds of things. But right. uh, I, I think they're at a different level. We're talking about people who are new to entrepreneurship, and we need to get them comfortable with the pivots, know. the transitions. Yeah. It's it's a combination. I think yeah. There's there's always that question of like pivot or persevere, right? And yeah. if you look at Italki, it's almost more of a case of persevere, like forever right yeah. um you know there's a joke that yeah like we're one of the poster children of the cockroach startup movement right i mean it's <laughs> totally yeah you know so love that. so on one level you know we are preaching you know not preaching i mean we are giving these courses on uh you know failing fast check your assumptions right i mean yeah. it's not to say that mm-hmm. you know like wow you get like two pieces of bad information you, you completely change your company it's not that it's, it's like yeah. you just want to be sure that your intuition is right yeah it's not die you know? faster yeah <laughs> it's just be wrong faster more than it is i mean just uh-huh. you know to figure out out 
what's wrong. How do you know the difference between like a madman and a, and a founder, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like like it's a fine line, you yeah. know, and, and it's evidence that hopefully will will we'll separate that out. Yeah. So you that, need to just prove it to yourself mm-hmm. that it's not stupid. And, mm-hmm. I, and of course, I tell the story of my first startup. That's where I was going with because <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of Fail Faster, yeah. we do a lot of kind of talking about why we do it and and you know the what's what's the point and and how it's going to run and and things like that logistics and stuff. But you you definitely you you carve out a All good right. 15, 20 minutes or more, but you, you talk about your experiences and, yeah. and I think, did, didn't you even go to the Valley at some point within yep. and all yep. that stuff? I mean, I'd like to get a brief summary sure, of sure. that stuff because it was around Fomento yeah. and you had all these assumptions. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's classic, right? You have this vision. It's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, how do you know the story of your grandparents? How do you know the story of your grandparents, grandparents, you know, mm-hmm. and then that idea that that should be recorded somewhere. It seems obvious. And as soon as I tell yep. someone on the street, I like, want it. That's, yeah, exactly. Too. You're like, oh gosh, why don't I have this thing? And I'll say something. I've tried to get it out of my grandparents. They don't want to talk about it. <laughs> my grandfather was in the Air Force. He got shot down over Germany. He was a POW. Oh I wow. want to know all of that yeah. because he's my grandfather and he's not going to be around forever. And I really would love to have yeah. that information. But he doesn't want to talk about it. It's like pulling teeth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or even if you want that information and you're just like, oh, am I going to spend this weekend writing this all down? It's like, no, I'm going to go to the barbecue. Yeah. You know? well, yeah. <laughs> like, gonna... So, yeah. When, when is you going to yeah. make this all happen? And so in our minds, that having that idea, we were thinking that there is there are a couple moments when you sit down about your family to actually think about this. And that mm-hmm. was the funeral. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, for both my founder, my co-founder at the time and myself, um, the death of my grandfather is what triggered the idea. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I went to Taiwan and I, you know, I saw the funeral. All these relatives were there telling about stories about the family, about him. And I was I was thinking, like, how can I write this down? Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. why am I the only person trying to trying to record this? Um, but yeah, but the story of Fail Faster, I mean, or the story of, you know, the the, the lean startup element of the thing yeah. is that we sat there in a room and we built this thing. We kept building and building and building. We had all these ideas. This is what I want. This is what I want. And then, you know, we had this idea that we would be working with funeral homes to make this a viable business, right? Mm. And um, and that's the thing. <laughs> After building this for like a year and a half, then I flew to the States to meet funeral homes to show them this amazing product that we had built. Yeah. And they were not thrilled at all. And it was, <laughs> and yeah, it was, moment. it was shocking. Exactly. You were just like, how can you not see this? And how come it's not obvious to you? And of course, you know, the problem was this. We just didn't understand our customer well enough. And these guys were like, well, you know, I want my branding on it. Well, I'm a family operation. I'm not too comfortable with technology, you know, yeah. you know, and this is a long time ago. So, you know, back then they were like Facebook, that's where like college kids post like naked pictures of themselves. And you're like, no, 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 this is like the new that's, thing. It's just going to be, everybody's going to be on this yeah, thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how can you not want to have a family tree that's online? Can I tell your relatives, you know, it just seemed so obvious to us, but it was really something that they were quite hostile to. And, and that one fell stroke, it was kind of like our business model had to be completely changed. And the story for fail faster is just that I didn't have to wait a year and a half to go there to find out I could have done that in the first month. Yeah. And clarified that this was the wrong path to go down. So at the end, uh, at the end of it all, um, I think just the the biggest lesson and why fail faster and things like lean startup machine or, even Startup Weekend, I think, is supposed to be a little bit like this, yeah. but it's it's just really, you know, not wasting time. Yeah, you don't don't build something in your own image and, and don't let your ego run away with the product before right. the market tells you what it should be like. Yeah, I, I really believe in what you guys are saying because you are typically never the person who makes the product is typically never the best person to explain it, even do the marketing. Cause you're mm-hmm. just like, you talk about what it does right. versus why people want it. And fail faster helps you take all those assumptions or even lean startup, all these kind of methods. Right. They just, it just, they help you understand the method and the assumptions that you have based this 
I don't know, criteria for success or this goal on. Right. And you go test them to see if they're valid. Exactly. Just that process of measuring. And this is global. This yeah, isn't even global. a China spin. This is just global. It's just yeah, keeping yeah. yourself honest, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just keeping yourself rooted one foot in reality. And, you know, I mean, yeah, there is that sort of like Steve Jobs image of like, oh, you know, he imagined something and we just chase after that. But I think if you're not Steve Jobs, right, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you're kind of like there's there's ways to, to get, cert, you know, some level of certainty before you dump all your resources into building this. Mm-hmm. Thing. Okay, so, I mean, that was 2005 to, you know, 2007-ish, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got into italki. I got an interesting mm-hmm. question, though. We all know this stuff now, what we're just talking about. Right. But did, was that really apparent to you even after you did it and then started italki? Were you doing more of that or did it still even take time to it settle in? It still took a long time for it to settle in for mm-hmm. us. I mean, we were italki was not a lean startup. I mean, we were just building anything that we could think of for a while and just sticking it into the product. And and yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, the very beginnings of italki were were really interesting that way. We had a lot of ideas, but it was not being very uh, systematic about what we needed to build. I mean, I'm really impressed with people who cut back feature sets, right? Mm, You know, it's like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this. And then people who actually say like, let's do less and do it better. That's, that's a really hard decision from a product, I think, for a lot of product people. And um, I know for Italki for our first couple of years, I mean, we were we were just thinking of new and new more and more ideas, and it just got more and more cluttered, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that mm-hmm. even now, um, it's a struggle to try and find what is that one key path, you know, what is the one thing that a user should do when they arrive mm-hmm. on the site, um, you know. We offer a lot of different things, right? We're both, um, you know, a teacher marketplace, and we also offer community features. You know, you can also find, you know, uh, language partners. You can do a lot of things on Italki, but I think that's the it's hard, right? And so. So a lean startup, I think, is um, ideally should be relatively disciplined. You know, I think that's what you're trying to force on yourself, some sort of external, you know, more of a scientific or way to, to look at problems as opposed to, you know, just running around with your intuition. Do you, do you find mm-hmm. that you get caught up in the race of it all, though, that you're that you're trying that, that you just feel like the walls are closing in or, you know, that the, cust- yeah. the competition is catching up, which is constantly driving you to feel like you should be doing more? You can't just keep the same um yep that's exactly sure. my question that i was going to go on it's a product creep or expectation yeah. creep exactly. yeah feature keep, creep. yeah the feature creep it just keeps on going and how do you evaluate or say no right um not very well uh i yeah. think it's, it's the whole hard. thing about yeah i mean and, and absolutely it, it's really hard and um it, it's it's internal right you sit here with your product team and you slug it out right mm-hmm. and you're just like you know people love x and other mm-hmm. people hate y and you have to you know you have to find a way like what is the core thing that we need to do i mean you know you have your ux guy who is doing interviews you have you know um all sorts of perspectives from the business side to um mm-hmm. yeah you know kind of the vision side it's like what are we going to be in the long run so i think it's um you know it, there's no easy answer to that i would say do you have a chinese partner I do. Um, my co-founder is a man named Jiang Yongyue, um, great mm-hmm. guy. Uh, yeah, um, he's he handles more of our product and our technology side. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we've been working together since the beginning. How helpful has that been doing business in China? Immensely. Um, Absolutely immensely. Uh, you know, I can speak some Chinese, of course, um, but I think that having a Chinese co-founder is really critical, um, you know, or at least it's been very helpful for me in terms of being able to connect with Chinese staff 
um, certainly um, they are, uh, you know, like a lot of Chinese staff won't feel as comfortable directly contacting me. Um, and, you know, you're in a fully Chinese meeting and, um, and you'll miss a lot of the subtleties. Um, you know, even in our latest round of investment, my Chinese co-founder plays a really critical role in bridging, you know, the understandings between the investors and myself. Um, you know, I'm kind of more like the grumpy guy in the corner being like, I'm not sure we can do that. Maybe we can do that. You know, he's the guy who's now smoothing it. And I think the same thing is true, vice versa. When we're speaking to our original investors who are mostly foreigners um, speaking English, like he can't bridge that. That's very hard for him to connect with. So um, I would say that it's been really critical um, for us, you know, managing the team, dealing with our investors, everything, yeah. you know, working in China, understanding the regulations, the, you know, everything from visas and, and you know, to, to legal company setup and all this stuff. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, you, you get a stack of documents in Chinese and <laughs> I mean, no, like, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like to me. I can read this, but it'll take me like a week. Right. You know, and <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. sitting down with Google Translate, a legal dictionary and a friend of mine, you know, that's telling you, what does this really mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's terribly inefficient and having a Chinese co-founder to work in China, I think, yeah, can be very helpful. I mean, that doesn't mean that it's all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely um, helpful. Yeah. How big is the team? The team now is about 40 people. So we've been expanding in the past. Yeah. Particularly in the past year. You know, How many are Chinese? Half. So Italki is oh. a pretty international company. Um, you know, if you guys don't know, more than 90% of our revenues come from outside of China and more than 90% mm. of our lessons have nothing to do with Chinese. So, um, you know, we... Ni- 90%. 90%. Nothing to do with learning Mandarin. Nothing to do with learning Mandarin. No. Wow. Mandarin is not even the number two language on the website. It's the number wow. four language. So most people are learning. Um, about half the people are learning English. About 15%, let's say, are mm-hmm. learning Spanish. And the third language is French. Huh. Nice. And then Mandarin. So, um, yeah. I mean, our, our user base is global. About half of our users come from Europe. And about a quarter come from North America. So, it's um hmm. so it's kind of it's a funny thing when we started italki of course one of our main ideas was like wow you know the, the language learning market in china is huge right the number of people who need to learn exactly. english is huge yeah. Yeah. um you know and you can see a ton of companies out going you know ipoing and stuff like that they're all focused on china and we thought china would be really big but it turns out that for us at least to date um china's been pretty small okay <laughs> just before the break one last question why in your opinion have the chinese not um, jumped onto this as much as everybody else has? So I think there's a, wow, a lot of different factors. One, I think that our education model is different. It's much more self-driven, um, student-centric. And I think China education tends to be a little bit more externally driven, top-down, like, what can you do to raise my TOEFL score? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you help me get into a better U.S. college? Right. I think a lot of this tends to be very results oriented. And I think that, you know, if you say that, hey, look, you can get a teacher one on one on your own. And, you know, what is that guy going to teach me? How many, you know, can you guarantee me how many points that guy's going to, you know, yeah, raise yeah. my score? Yeah. You know, we're like, look, it's not about this. Right. I mean, for us, um, language learning is a much bigger question. It's also a question of like connecting with cultures. It's a connection. It's a question of really reaching out to people and understanding somewhere else. And I think that that's not something that is so apparent to most um, people who are just getting into language education. I mean, if you see the advertising and the marketing of all the companies here, it's pragmatic yeah. and very practical in the sense of like, get a better job, go to America to study. So I think it's, um, I think part of it is just, it's, um, it's a different market. And I would also say that China is also, um, I, I would say that China is a little bit more, um, the marketing is much, is very important here. Mm-hmm. You know, you see companies like VIP ABC and they yeah. have, 
you know, um, celebrity, yeah, celebrity endorsements from Yao Ming. And, you know, it's a big deal. You know, you really want to be viewed as a huge brand. If you're a startup and you say like, hey, you can get a teacher, you know, we're like Airbnb for language teachers. I, I think it's it's a harder sell. I mean, they're like, I didn't see your subway ad. You know, yeah. like, are you guys a fly by night company? You know, I'm going to say me talking to some American, but really it's a guy in Ghana. You know what I mean? How do I know that this isn't something, you know, real? Not that there's anything wrong with Ghana. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, the, it's a long way away. It, it's a lower trust environment. And mm-hmm. I think that you know, in the West, it's yeah. just people are, people get it. No, it's that's interesting because like... And in China, it just takes a lot more mm-hmm. effort to, to take them over that education, you know? Yeah. Because it's like we, we've talked about lots of different markets on this uh, cast and the education market, I would say is a really difficult market in China. Yeah. It is one of the biggest. It's, it's a really attractive market. We've had uh, other guests on here. It's super competitive, but it's competitive to the point where the consumer of language products in China is used to seeing the multi-million dollar ads. And, yep. and you need your right angle. You need your competitive advantage that no one else can beat. And I think, yeah, the costs of marketing in China are higher than the cost of marketing in the States or in Europe for us. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if we were a China-focused company, this would be terrible. But, you know... You guys, you guys yeah, checked I, your assumptions and built something that the market wants. I could, you know, I have $100 to spend on marketing. I don't have to spend it in China. I could spend it somewhere else yeah, and I get a better that. return. So... Yeah, you know, I mean, again, what, you know, a lot of investors get confused. They're like, you're in Shanghai, you know, did, are you stupid? Do you not know that there's this <laughs> big Chinese market all around you? And I we're like, we get conversation. it. We get it, right? But we're that's not necessarily our focus and we're doing pretty well in other places. And then, you know, the next question is like, why are you in China? Yeah, you, you could just interview yourself at this point because <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some questions that, that I think we want to ask. Okay, so we'll jump to the break. Cool. Um, but, you know, when we come back, we want to talk more about Takizoo. You know, you talk about marketing i think there's some very interesting uh, meat left on the bone for that um, topic because Mm -hmm. uh, we know that even when you raise money what do you spend it on and what companies here spend it on is you know 80 percent marketing versus in the in the u.s where they'll put it into engineering and design uh you know we'll talk more about that and uh, talk about what it's like to raise money here in china okay so when we come back Hey everyone, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors. China Accelerator is the number one accelerator in the East. They are a mentorship driven program that takes your ideas from all over the world and helps you make them successful in China. At the same time, we take great ideas from inside China and help them grow all over the world. If you want to find out more, please visit www.chinaaccelerator.com and batch 10 applications are going to be open soon. So it's a really good opportunity to get in there. We also want to thank our other sponsor, People Squared. Uh, People Squared is the largest and best co-working space across China. They've got eight or nine spaces in Shanghai. They've got spaces up in Beijing. They've got spaces down in Shenzhen. Uh, They really are the best community of people to be dealing with here. So if you have a startup and you're coming to China, People Squared is your number one choice. And we'd also like to thank our syndication partner, TechNode. They are the number one source for news and information about the startup ecosystem, what's going on inside of China. They also work with TechCrunch and helped publish and syndicate that. So we're really happy to have them on as a syndication partner. You can find out more at technode.com. Hey guys, welcome back. We're here with Kevin Chen from Italki, and we kind of want to lead on more about your experiences and what you've done with Italki in the past. So, the first question I want to ask is, how do you filter out noise and advice from that's valuable to what is it? And, and when you do go down the wrong path, how do you get back on the right one? Yeah, nine years. Nine years you've been hacking away at this. Yeah, you must yeah. have. Um, wrong turns. Yeah, a lot of wrong turns. Um, yeah, noise is hard. I would say, um, you know. 
you know, you're going to have good advisors. You're going to have um, other entrepreneurs, um, investors that uh, you've been working with. But, um, you know, how do you know what's good advice and bad advice? I have to be honest. I think you can only figure this out from experience. Um, yeah. You know, we've done, you know, like, I think I can recognize a bad deal these days, partly because I've done so many bad deals. And so, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you, faster. yeah, it's I mean, I wish thing. there was a way that I could say in retrospect that, oh, it was, you know, like at the time I would be able to recognize it, but I think it's hard. I mean, it's a judgment call. Mm-hmm. Um, you do want to stay focused on your core business. I mean, obviously the investor doesn't run the company, you run the company, mm-hmm. right? You know, and you got to be, you know, you do have to stay true to your vision, um, stay true to what you think is the core business. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, um, it's easy to get sidetracked. You have a strong investor who wants, you know, who thinks you have a great partner and you should spend all your time building for this partner. Um, And that's, I think that was one of the early mistakes that we made. Uh, Like you have a big name as a partner and you think that you're going to turn your product to fit them. And ultimately, as you know, with big companies, sometimes they just, uh, you know, the the thing gets lost in their bureaucracy. Um, It gets blocked by legal. There's a hundred thousand reasons why it doesn't get done. Um, And for them, they're just like, well, you know, we wasted a couple months. But for you, you're like, wow, I mean, I took my whole team and we ran the wrong direction for, you know, six months. Like that's terrible. So um, it's unacceptable, I would say. You know, you have to know what the key thing that you need to prove, you know, for your own startup, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, I need to prove this marketing channel. I need to prove this product fits. That's it, right? The rest of it is noise. You know, if it helps you get there, great. If it doesn't, you need to block that off. Talking about red flags, I think when you're getting advice, obviously we have a lot of mentors with Trying Accelerator and, and Mox and, and uh, they yeah. come in and, and they do their thing. And then I always try to like, you know, swim in after and then kind of color the water about you know, saying, listen, everybody, just remember as we go through and you meet all these people, you know, watch out for those red flags for any mentors or advisors that that talk in absolutes saying right. you must do this and that this is the way things are. Be careful. Those are red flags. Remember, everything is just one person's opinion based on one perspective, you know, one path of experience that that person has gone through in life, exactly. which has colored and created, you know, what they learned from doing a startup that was similar three years ago has almost no application to what you're doing now because uh, it's not the same and it's different people doing yeah, it. So Totally. Yeah, I mean, investors, I think, um, you know, especially if they're giving you operational advice, they're like, oh, why don't you just fire this team or something like that? And you're like, it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think the thing, I mean, what's good about investors is that they can yeah. give you the investor perspective. So, you know, it's like you also have to place them in a box. You'd be like, okay, this is how an investor would view what's happening at my company, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do what they say. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk a little bit about about raising money in China. I think this is a pretty cool topic because this is one of the most difficult things I think for most people to do. You get here, you get some success, which means now you're locked in. Um, yeah, you're and, like, oh, this is our now plan. you want to grow. Yeah. You know, and you've you've gone through the process. You've probably been trying to raise for I mean, just Forever. like yeah, <laughs> I mean, tell us tell us the dirt. Tell us like, you know, the honest things of how it goes and and how were you able to win in the end? Just like we were saying before about uh people and perspectives, like this is just one person's perspective. Yeah. I um and Italki is a very non standard startup. So I don't want Good. anyone to draw, you know, 100% parallels. Great. Yeah. We we had a, a bit of a messy start and we had a seed round and then almost immediately afterwards we started trying to raise for an angel round. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, you know, our angel round took many years to close. It became sort of a rolling angel round. Raising money in China, I think is um first of all, you know, there's a question of what is your startup? Are you a foreign entity? Are you a local entity? And it's going to be a very different 
you know, fundraising environment. Does the investor landscape ask you to draw that line in the sand? Yeah, I think mm. so. I mean, if you're a renminbi investor and you're investing in a Chinese local company, that's very different from your renminbi investor investing in a, lo- a foreign company. And same thing with, I think, for foreigners. You know, if you're targeting the Chinese market, right, and you're looking for Chinese investors, you know, I don't think a lot of people are too thrilled to see foreign faces, right? You're saying, like, how are you going to win? I'm not saying that you can't, but, like, there is a bias against that, right? Yeah, They're thinking true. that there's going to be some Chinese guy who's hungry who understands the market better, who's going to be able to manage his Chinese team better to take on the Chinese market. Um, you know, yeah. so there's always these types of biases. Um, you know, I think that for us, we were raising money um, internationally as well. So we did do a tour through Silicon Valley to try and raise money there. And, you know, I remember one investor who was really great. He's, you know, he was telling us, I like your company, but you don't understand how much more I have to like your company to invest in your company relative to a company that's sitting next to me in Silicon Valley. Right. You know, I can't help you, Mm -hmm. you know, thousands of miles away. You need an engineer. You need a connection, a media link. It's like, I'm, I'm so far away. I can't do anything. So you have to be so good that you don't need my help. And, you know, and that's, that's how much higher the standard would be for him to put the money. And there's some, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really, really succinct good. and clear way to put it. Cause we've talked about this, people trying to raise money from, from places. Uh, and I, but, and I can say that in in some ways, sometimes it's the reverse. You'll get a, a big whale in Switzerland <laughs> who wants to invest, but there's just a dearth, a lack of great investment opportunities there. So they're now going abroad trying to end these startups should be like, yeah, but if you're in you, you all your relationships and, and network is in Switzerland, how are you going to help me? Yeah. True. Why should I take your money? Because you're there and I don't know what else you can do for me other than give me money. I, I'm a little bit, I don't want to say cynical, but um, I mean, my expectations for investors are a little bit lower. So I think, you know, their money's good. Yeah. yeah I think there's go the, a the top type of investor <laughs> we all know is a guy who gives you money and amazing advice. And, you know, he has, you know, he's been an entrepreneur before and has the connections to, to, to make you successful. Mm-hmm. That's the best type. And we all want that. Right. The next best type is the guy who gives you the money and you never hear from him again. Right? <laughs> Seriously, he's just like, you guys do it. And I love you know what I mean? Like, great no, info. I mean, but in total honesty, right? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't add to your headaches and yeah. running a startup is hard, right? So the last thing you want is some guy who's chasing you every week or month for like updates. You know, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I don't like the, uh, you know, whatever. Like, what happened to your conversion for this month? You know, it's like, man. And then, you know, the third, you know, the next level of starting, you know, investor is some guy who is really messing with you, right? Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of ideas. Ideas. He thinks he's being helpful, but he's actually a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Did you ever run into the investor who has ulterior motives, um, where you know they're they're you know they make a really attractive looking offer? You're thinking, oh wow, this is going to be great, but they have something like maybe they want to merge you with a current portfolio company they already have, or they just want to take some of the core pieces of the team to do something. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had this? So I haven't had that. Okay. Um, you I mean, heard about it though. I mean, um, I, you know, I, I, I we've had it. that happen through the program here. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, that's definite red flag. Yeah, it's right? a, a few times. Oh, actually. wow. Yeah. Like big gaudy. Here's well, a million. We're going to give you a million bucks. Is the Three red... weeks into the negotiations, they come to the realization of like, oh, you simply just want to shut us down. So oh you gosh. can take the team and add it to something you've, something you've given $10 million to. Ah, okay. Oh. That's terrifying. I actually, <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, and yeah. I, I think that's also really important in terms of getting understanding people's motives and, and getting that all out as, as soon as possible. I think you have to have, you should be some level of transparency, right? With your, with the companies that you invest in as well as, you know, your investors. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we have not run into that. I think um, up until just last week, uh, most of our investors were um, individuals, and yeah, yeah, so yeah. nothing huge institutional, you know, yeah. with, a, with big operational goals. I so. have a question about the difference between raising from somebody in Silicon Valley internationally and the Chinese investors. Did you have to really modify that pitch or that approach a lot, or or was it pretty fluid? Um, the answer is probably I should have modified the pitch, oh, good um, answer. <laughs> but I didn't modify the pitch. And so I think that we kind of fell in the, the gray zone that like both sides don't like too much. Right. I think, uh, you know, I mean, for Silicon Valley, we were too foreign. Um, and for China, we were also too foreign. Right. You know, I mean, they were just, you know, I mean, a lot of investors that I mentioned earlier were just kind of like, how can you not be focusing on China? Mm-hmm. You know, they would come to us and tell us, you know, how are you going to beat, you know, these three companies, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, I don't even list that on my competitor slide. And they're like, yeah. you haven't done your research. I'm like, no, you don't get what we are. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like we're in a different vertical and you, you're just not seeing it. And, and yet at the end of the day, whose responsibility is it really to be in there for shoes. them to know what you do? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So it's um it's a harder education. You know, you have to educate them on what you what you think the opportunity is. I mean, to be also honest, a lot of Chinese investors have Chinese mandates. Right. So they are supposed to be investing in China startups that are taking on the Chinese market. And the same thing for them. You know, they're thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, here are my you know, connections, mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. are my you know, relationships. How can I leverage that to make something happen? Mm-hmm. And this you're like, excellent advice. and you're telling them, they're like, look, my, I have a huge market in Russia and in Brazil. And they're like, I don't know the first thing about Russia or Brazil. You shouldn't be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you should be talking to my Russia partner. Or you should be talking to our London desk or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think our, you know, I talking in particular is just a bit strange, right? Um, you know, people are thinking, if I give you this money, I want to hear about how you're going to be taking on the Chinese market and, you know, how you're going to compete against whatever, you know, VIP, ABC, or mm-hmm. 51 Talk, whatever it is, you know, all these companies that are, uh, that they understand and that they know the models well. Now yeah. that you've raised the money, has anything changed with the investor's perspective on you or are you getting calls trying to give you more money or what's happening? For sure. Uh, we have gotten a couple, you know, investors who are interested to learn more about us, um, <laughs> but you know, we're just scrambling to, you know, to, to deploy our, you know, our resources ourselves. So I haven't spent too much time on that. Getting the money, as you guys know, isn't winning, right? It's uh, it's getting more ammunition to to fight at the next level. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's good to have the connections. It's good to meet these people, but I I don't think we're that type of startup that is just running for the next round and running for the next round. No, right? I mean, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like playing one of those arcade you know, car racing games or something. And you, you know, you put in a, a quarter or something and all you're looking is to get to that time extension. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. it is. The clock is taking down. You're just like racing that. towards a, you know, time extension. You get another 30 seconds on the clock, but now you're just, you just charge another race to the next one. Um, right. The whole thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I want to maximize that quarter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I have to say that's actually something strange about us is that we are cash flow positive. That's you know, so weird. It is yeah. weird. So strange. I mean, what are you guys doing? I mean, because <laughs> on some weird level, because we didn't have access to the capital markets, we had to just, you know, they're yeah. like, how are you sustaining? We're like, uh, revenues? Uh, yeah, revenue? Uh, you know, uh, profit? Yeah. That's so, incredible. Yeah. So for us, raising money was much more about, you know, what could we do with this money rather than like, I need an extra 18 months, 24 months to live. Nothing like that. Uh, I know that you've been insanely scrappy, that nobody takes less money out of the company than you do uh, a lot of the time. Uh, I think you've been the consummate 
cockroach entrepreneur for so long. It's very admirable. I think I was super happy when I heard the news um, because I don't think anybody in Shanghai deserves it more than you do, um, considering yeah. how much time you spent also giving back to the community and growing the community and, and all those meetings you guys do on Saturdays with our techie zoo and all the events. Um, as we kind of bring this to a close, which is kind of a shame because there's, yeah. you, you just have like an amazing wealth of knowledge um, from all the years and all the things. And I think as you start talking, talking about all the things you're going through. I think you even potentially realize how much is in there. But a little bit about Techie Zoo, you know, maybe just like I, I just want to plug it a little bit for people who are listening and maybe Not want to get all. in touch or see, yeah, you know, really what are the events the coming up? Is there a new bar camp coming up? If you're interested in Techie Zoo, um, you can go to our website, techiezoo.org or go to I, our meetup group. I think that's oh, where we're yeah. using more now. So meetup.com slash techiezoo. Yeah, it's it's all volunteers mentioned before. And we just put on events like Bar Camp Shanghai, which is an unconference. We do that twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do one for uh, human centered design, which we just had designing Shanghai. Yeah. And then fail faster. We do um, this year in the fall. Mm-hmm. So coming up, um, yeah, we, you know, we also wanted to keep it fun for the organizers. I think that's one thing that's hard. Techies has been running for about five yeah. years as well, so people get tired, right? And we don't want to keep doing the same events. So this that's true. year we're going to try and do something with also um, big data, something like a data scientists. Yeah, nice. and you well, I mean, you guys did the, the making a movie thing. Yeah, so you know, we'll be I trying mean, that again. The that's mobile fun. film challenge, where yes. uh, nice. you're going to take your mobile film and your mobile phone, mobile phone, <laughs> yeah, and do lots of recording clips and and then try to put that together in uh, 48 hours. In a to weekend, make it yeah. Two minute film yeah. yeah so it's just uh you know we do think video is a huge thing and uh it's just something we thought we would do for fun so. yeah i mean yeah I, that would be even cool i think i think you could probably even get brands to come in and just like have people spend 48 hours to shoot the best you know uh 90 second commercial they could for somebody's product yeah and then the winner gets like a, a bit of a cash prize but then the brand would get like some really amazing <laughs> ideas and stuff like that but i don't know you guys are always very very creative and very active and uh full of lots of volunteers so obviously keeping it keeping yeah. it fresh is working because everybody still commits and, and loves to be a part of it. Congratulations on all of that. Thanks. Um, congratulations on the most recent uh, milestone reached, I guess you'd say, uh, yeah. with, with italki. Um, how, do, how do people go find italki? Uh, just go to italki.com. <laughs> it's uh, I-T-A-L-K-I.com. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to spell techizu, uh because it's not it's not, yeah, if you're a Chinese speaker, it's not so crazy, but it's T-E-C-H-Y-I-Z-U yeah. dot O-R-G. Dot org. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, Yizu is actually, um, it's a Chinese term for Mai, um, D-E, and it's like um, ant people, and Zhu is like Minzu to Zhu. So, uh, yeah, uh, in Beijing, you hear about these poor startup enclaves where kids are like stacked up in these hives, right? Mm-hmm. You know, chasing the dream. Yeah. And we thought that that was uh, a nice thing to kind of put together and mm-hmm. try and support them. That's yeah, awesome. but then it also translates in English of just like the techie zoo. Yeah, um, which is cool. A zoo of <laughs> yeah. techie people. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, really? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! No. That's, that's I the thought way that I was like done on purpose. As well, I was oh, like, like oh. <laughs> I did, yeah. well, it feels that way sometimes. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it does. Okay, Kev. Thanks. Congratulations. Yeah, Kevin, you are so insightful on so many of these topics mm-hmm. in a way that it's it's wonderful to give your voice, um, you know, some reach right now and to help people because I know people are are going through exactly what you've done and they're chasing that dream so thank you so much no it's great to be here yeah. thank you guys for hosting and i know you were like kind of like uh, maybe nervous about being on the mic but i think you were fantastic yeah i think it really, i wanted to say that you know on the cast uh, that you were really great and and uh, i think all our listeners really appreciate all your insights and and everything that you, that you mentioned so that was awesome thank you very much 
Thank you to uh, Ryan for not actually butching a word. Uh, oh my God, word. it was his, excellent. I've done it twice. Yeah, you 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 really went clean this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Vivian, who's laughing her ass off at me saying that uh, for being our producer, David, our sound producer, and thanks to our sponsors again, uh, China Accelerator and People Squared, who are great. Our our syndication partner, Technode, where you'll be able to find our our podcast and, and be able to download it there. And thanks to you, our listener, for always being there and listening to us ramble on about startup stuff in China. Thanks. Thanks, guys.